0: Mm, I love
3: scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy scotch scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm
2: SignatureHorror.com. That's right. Signaturehorror.com
1: Are you annoyingly even killed? Emethamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! Emethamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following oh my god increases in blood flow boost in testosterone ending of erectile dysfunction You're naughty. this medicine is made for extreme cases of being keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges.
2: Oh my.
3: This is Eric Redbeard, and I've been listening to Crazy Train Radio.
0: Flies in his
3: mouth,
2: free. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world crock jonathan Steele,
0: and i'm elena your favorite host from the emerald isles
2: boy do we have a good one for you today this six foot eight giant might seem scary but as we all always like to say here on this program this man has many layers like an onion but that's all positive it's not the stench of an actual onion he is the pride of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was formerly known as Eric Rowan, but now going by Eric Redbeard on the independence. But he's doing other things as well because of this whole crazy year of 2020. Eric, how are you doing?
3: Doing good. Um, thanks for the introduction. I, I like to think I, I make people cry. That's the whole onion thing uh, right
2: there. <laughs> there you go. Yep. We can go we'll just say that's stench or whatever after our match, right after our match. No no no.
3: I, I, I like I like the onion concept. You know, it's I, I induce either uh tears of joy or uh uh tears of uh get the hell you know, laughter or tears of uh get the hell off my screen.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Like yeah, there's <laughs> different you know, different ways people look at it depending on who you are and whatnot. Yeah. So obviously first question, and it's been an obvious question for most of the year so far how have you handled the quarantine obviously early on you're with wwe but how are you handling this whole COVID thing
3: i mean everybody's at a boiling point right now you know like uh places are locking back down again and uh everyone's waiting for this uh miracle vaccine to come out so uh we'll we'll see man It's 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 definitely uh, testing patience on on everybody's fronts, including my own. So, um, if anything, I can get out of this, it's uh, you know, patience leads to better things.
2: You know, it's and I don't know if you have kids or anything like that, but one line, at least when it came to kids, but it makes sense in other aspects of life is when you're younger, you have the energy for stuff, but as you get older, you might not have that energy, but you have the patience.
3: Uh, from being on the road so many days a year to being home, not not only do I have the patience, I have the energy now and I love it. I, I never had this energy before because I was always traveling, you know, 200 plus days a year on the road away from the family to be to be with them. You know, I have this newfound energy around the house, you know. The kids tell me to slow down. i got to go out to the gym in and, and, and the backyard just to get away from them so that uh, I can blow off some energy. They don't want to be playing catch. They want to be on their TikTok videos these days. So uh, <laughs> maybe I, got, I just got too much energy for them. I, I don't
2: know. Well, you know, that's a good point. And obviously, like I said, you were still with the company when this COVID hit initially. but And you were gone usually, you know, 200-plus days a year and all that kind of stuff, which most people are aware of who are wrestling fans was there an adjustment at least for you and the family where you had to get used to each other being around as much as you were
3: uh i luckily i've always been good like uh the road made me quick to uh learn how to communicate especially being on the road Mm -hmm. so uh we we haven't really had to you know get used to each other as to say because we we never really lost that and uh, it, it sucks to see, you know, so many families breaking up because of this COVID people being stuck together not knowing how to handle it. You know, personally, I love it. I, I love being able to have this time because I know when it's over, I won't have this time. So,
2: Exactly. Elena, you uh, had a uh, question you saw on the personal side.
0: I did. Uh, the rumor has it uh, that you are an actual horror fan. I'm a huge horror fan myself and uh, I wanted to know what did you specifically like in the genre and what did you try to incorporate on screen into your performances?
3: Oh, I mean, excellent question. Uh, no, like uh, as far as horror goes, I just loved how it makes you feel. Like it doesn't matter what, 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 what it is, you got the uh, like Halloween, that suspense, you don't know when Michael Myers is going to attack like he's just lurking and stalking people. And uh, um, which I guess you can say a little bit of that's inspired, you know, the whole Friday the 13th stalk and whatever with the, the old Eric Rowan, the land mask and the coveralls and the outfit kind of like, you don't know what this guy's going to do until the bell rings. And then, you know, he's he's capable of all sorts of carnage within the rules of a wrestling match. So it's a little bit different. You can't, you know, you know, you can't be a horror movie character on, um, you know, right. and wrestling uh, as much as you want to be. Uh, but uh, like, I love how horror movies made you feel and have suspense towards seeing something. And uh, that's why I always liked that lab mask because it was like in within the realm of that. Whenever you thought about like the Wyatt family, you would you would think about that lab mask, and you know, vice versa. What it what's actually behind it? Who is that person? Which, you know, was something that I always wanted to explain, but we never really got a full glimpse behind, you know, which is like some of those prequel movies with horror kind of ruined it for me, too, when they finally showed you who that person was. Like, uh, I remember Leatherface Beginnings, and they would try to go into who the character was. Like, I think it took me three watches of Texas Chainsaw 3D to actually enjoy it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> because I finally got like what they were trying to go for as opposed to what was uh, on the screen. Uh, but no, I loved how horror movies made you feel. Like uh, they went through the whole, uh, uh, I guess you could call it torture porn uh, with Saw and Hostel. And that made you feel a certain way in the pit of your stomach. Like you felt like you were watching a snuff film, like you shouldn't be watching this and mm. like, like I, I liked how it made you feel no matter what movie. So like going back and watching some of these 80s horror movies, you still get those feelings um, as campy and cheesy as some of them are. Uh, I think I went and watched uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space with my son the other day for the first time. He's uh, he's 14 going on 18 and just seeing his reaction to some of these old things that I used to love as a kid. like It's, it's, it's cool to see him react kind of similar to how I did when I was a kid.
2: You know, it's funny that you mentioned Texas 3D, and we do watch-alongs recently with all this lockdown. We do it on Zoom and with some of the actors and different people involved with it. And we did one over the summer with a Texas 3D with Dan Yeager, who was Leatherface, but also one of the writers out of Marcus, who was involved with Friday the 13th as well. That series. I'll send you the link, because I think you'll appreciate the commentary for that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, just to hear them talking about the their roles in the project, I think you get a kick out of that. Cool.
0: Uh, I just wanted to follow up. Um, you mentioned the lamb mask, and I actually had a question um about that, and I was just wondering what made you go to Jason Baker and Tom Savini to help like improve the mask and stuff.
3: Um. So. Um, we had we I had so many different masks before the, before it finally officially became the, the lab mask and be, it was only lab mask because I had like six masks in my car and when we filmed the vignettes I just pulled this one out because I liked that one the most. We weren't allowed to use it in the developmental, you know, like I don't know how familiar you are with wrestling, but we have a developmental territory uh, before you get called up to let's say the big leagues, like you know how baseball has minor leagues you go to a big league. Uh, when I was in the minor release, they wouldn't let me wear any of these masks. Um, so when we filmed the vignettes, I'm like, "Hey, I got them on the trunk of my car. Can we wear this one?" And they're like, "Yeah, we like it. We like it. Put it, put it on the vignette." So what you have to understand about the original one is we bought it from like just a regular old you know Halloween shop for like ten bucks. Uh, the holes in the eyes were like offset and little slits; you could barely even see out of them. So I was always stuck never being able to see what was going on around me. I was always asked, can you do this, this in the ring with the mask on? I'm like, uh, no, because uh, I can't see. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, so eventually uh, um, I had uh, been introduced to Tom because he he was a wrestling fan, you know, sporadically throughout the years. And he was in Pittsburgh. And then I got in contact with Jason who became like a really good friend of mine, you know, over the last few years. Uh, just because of similar interests and stuff like that. Um, but we wanted to create something in honor of like all the splatter horror, and I know Tom was like uh, the king of that. Mm-hmm. So him and Jason and myself mm-hmm. collaborated on uh, the first of like the tweaks with the lamb mask, um, turned into being from cheap plastic to like this really like thick latex that snug, you know, snugly fit to your face, had holes, but you couldn't see the guy's eyes, which was what I loved the most about some of these earlier horror movies. You could never see the guy's eyes, uh, which if you can't see somebody's eyes, you don't know what they're thinking. And, uh, but I was able to see perfectly. And um, just from doing that first one with him and like adding veins and just making it have a little bit of life, uh, I started to like get ideas for different masks and eventually it was never discussed on tv but i had the idea of like leatherface had all the different masks and he had uh different personalities for everyone never got a chance to show that on tv but if you ever watch just random RAWs during the wyatt family the the length of that run or the length of the run in between when i was by myself you would notice that i wore different masks some of them had like clown makeup on it some of it um, had like a gas mask um, attached to it um some had antlers or ram's horns like each one had its own different purpose and uh even though they weren't talked about in commentary which you know I figured the commentary would have been self-explanatory but they never got into that uh that's another problem with uh wrestling on a on a 52 week you know show that's mostly last minute things is a lot of stuff that's falls through the cracks. And th- those little things are just things that I think about that weren't necessarily conveyed on TV. And you'd have to think about it and go back and watch things to actually say, Oh, each one of those masks was different. So I think I had like a total of like 25 different ones made and created.
2: But that might've been good for your merch sales, action figures and stuff
3: <laughs> like that. You would think, but I, but uh, I think I think the action figures. I think uh, there was only three versions of the of the masks ever put out. Uh, and uh, as far as the sales go, I was always on them to make different color schemes, uh, land masks, but they just stuck to the white ones. And I think later on they just did the bronze and black, but they never, you know, did any cool designs or nothing. It was kind of cool later on, though, seeing fans finally picking up what I was doing and, like, coloring and doing different things at shows. So I'd see guys with the clown, you know, variation or with, you know, they'd attach things to the plastic ones that WWE sold and would make their own, like, gas mask ones. It was really cool to see that.
2: At least it's cool that the fans were picking up on what you were trying to lay down. Yeah. But we'll get into the whites and stuff like that in a minute. But you mentioned Developmental. And I know, at the time, guys like Dusty Rhodes and all were down there. Terry Taylor and such. How much influence were some of those coaches in teaching you? Because you always hear about the WWE style.
3: You know, everybody talks about WWE style, but but, but professional wrestling is one style. Like, I would a like it It's professional wrestling. It's an art form. Every and everyone performs it differently. It's like doing art. Like there's so many different styles of art but when it gets down to it art is art there's no there's no wwe style of art like everyone brings their own ideas and things in, and it's just a matter of uh what works best for a weekly television product what you know what i mean because some of the stuff i've seen on tv is really fast moving and i can't keep up with it personally that's just me and uh it's, it's hard for me to digest something if it moves too fast. It's like watching a movie where it's just like boom, 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 boom. boom, And I'm like, what, what, what the hell just happened? Slow down a little bit so I can digest what's going on.
2: Let uh, the story like, breathe.
3: Yeah, but uh, you know, like got, having guys down there like uh, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, you know, Terry, uh, Tom Pritchard, because I was there for Tom Pritchard before he got let go too. And then they hired Bill Demont, So, like, you get all these different, you know, ways of doing art from yeah. all these different people. Norman Smiley has a way of doing his, as you would say, WWE art. And all these people kind of teach you these different impressions or styles of how to, how to do wrestling.
2: Exactly. And, and I, I, I,
3: that, I thought that was very beneficial and very good.
2: Yeah, like, say, you mentioned him there, a guy like Norman Smiley, who, yeah, he was on WCW, but had a lot of success in Mexico and different locations. And I think that's part, at least from someone who's not been in a ring, that's something you're missing, where back in the territories and all that, you had guys who went all over the place, or Japan, which I know you had some time in, learning these different forms of the art form. Yeah. That makes sense.
3: Yes. And then just like Dusty Rhodes was there to help with promos because he was always a good speaker. And uh, um, I always found that was quite useful because if you ever uh, look back at, like, FCW and the group of guys they had there, a lot of them didn't know how – they were kind of timid talking around a group of people. And uh, he would uh, get out of you things that you would never thought you would have had in you. I've seen guys, you know, go up – and they're before to taking his advice and week after week after week, and then coming out of their shell, to go to say, you know, being more of themselves because, you know, there's, there's shot people that aren't used to public speaking and just bringing out, you know, like an energy to them. It's, it's interesting, a passion for what they're trying to tell you a story. They're telling you, and getting you passionate about it is, is what's important. So if I'm telling you a story, I want you to be passionate about that story. And that's, that's what wrestling, you know, relates you want to get people excited about the story you're trying to tell so if i want to have a match with this guy how can i use my words to get that matched you know excitement you know from my mouth to having this person want to spend money on this match
2: and come see you at the house shows or, or at a tv product or pay-per-view exactly. a, little different now.
3: a little different now when everybody's uh, got the network and it's like well yeah. we already got your money
2: Exactly. And you know, it's funny you say about uh, getting people out of their shell. And I'm sure you dealt with him a little bit before you left. Keith Lee, I was watching a uh, 24 day just released on him on Mm a network. And that was one of the bigger things he was talking about there. A couple of times trying to come into the company, it didn't work out for him. But Dusty and Terry and a couple of these guys were and William Regal was another one another great mind for the business teaching him about his talking ability and getting him out of that shell. I find it interesting. You bring that up as well in terms of the storytelling and such.
3: Yeah. And plus, even though the show might be three hours on raw, not every night do you get a chance to go out there and and use that voice. You know, sometimes you just, you do a, a tiny skit backstage that, you know, it's 30 seconds long and you don't get to speak. You just go run in and beat somebody up. or So it's like not everybody gets a chance to show, like, what they're capable of doing either. And to me, that's a pity. It, it, it sucks. Um, there's a lot of guys up there that, you know, would have surprised you. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just the, the nature of the business. You know, not everybody can be that, you know, main event guy.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I heard you uh, talk about this with uh, Chris Van Vliet uh, recently, and but could you? When did you feel vocal enough to be able to go to a Paul Heyman or to Vince or whoever? And hey, I got an idea about this, or where are we going with this? Or I mean, trying to get your point of view across.
3: Um, to me, I didn't feel. I mean, I felt comfortable within the tag team going for, for the longest time. Like I always felt comfortable with that, even though, uh, we didn't get to necessarily be ourselves, but part of wrestling is playing a character and trying to be that character. Uh, but when I got to incorporate a little bit more of myself into the character and have a run where they sort of trust me more, uh, on the microphone, that's when I had more confidence to go to them. Uh, because you know the, the more you speak in front of people the more confidence you get and if you don't if you don't have a chance to hone that skill then it's 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 not going to connect with anybody so like what what sucks and i see a lot you know happen within the business is guys will start to get comfortable and start to form what they want to be and who they want to be and what they want to show which helps the writers up there write for you as well as you doing your own tweaks to uh you know what you can within within whatever you need to say or whatever script they give you and uh i see so many people cut off at the legs and i never understood that like why when somebody is starting to get you know you know traction. a little dog and they're getting traction they're starting to like climb up a hill why do you why do you like make an avalanche happen and make them go all the way down to the bottom like cut off any kind of like you know, like things they had. And, you know, this isn't just, you know, what happened to me, because to me, I was, I, I felt like I was had getting traction, started to become more comfortable with myself. And then they said, okay, well, take this cage out and this is your character now. And we don't want you to talk. I think the only time I talked was I did a backstage and they didn't give me a script. and I just did a promo and then they're like, oh, we like that. We're going to air it on television. That was the only time that during that time they actually let me speak. <laughs> which you know it's frustrating as a performer but it's also your job to do you know what what you have to do professionally and uh, perform it to the best of your ability you know um so i see a lot of people that just don't get that chance or they get cut off at the legs and they don't recover and then you see them pop up other places and then they surprise you and it's uh it's just it's just a weird thing i see in the business and uh but i guess this is every business uh, yeah. I, I see. I, I've seen it uh, with it within Hollywood too. Like I see, I see guys that have been around forever, and it's like, what, where has this guy been? It's like, oh no, he just didn't get cast in anything till now.
2: Yeah, and like you said, people go to other places, makes you think of somebody like a Drew McIntyre or a Jinder Mahal, who went away, and you got to see a whole different side of them. Yeah. But speaking of Hollywood, there, I know you did some acting a little bit and got into the Screen Actors Guild which is a beautiful thing. And obviously there's talk within wrestling about union being kicked out the past couple of years. Is that something that's actually going to happen?
3: You know, I don't know. And uh, wrestling has always been, they've always been away from anything that has to do with acting, but you know what I mean? Yeah. uh, You know, they pay. I mean, if you think about it, they they still are a sport because in all of these different states they go to to perform, they pay an athletic commission. Mm -hmm. So this is where the issue is. Are they an athletic based sport or is it acting? That's, that's because like uh, NFL players, are they, are they sick? No. No. They're athletes. They're in their own union. Yeah. But it's the athletic union. So here's, where the where where the problem is, they're paying dues. Like when I was at WWE, I was paying, you know, like uh, for athletic state license for different states, but they were coming out of my paychecks. And uh, so this is where people don't really talk about that much when it comes to unionizing professional wrestling. As far as how can they be saying yes, they are a television product, but but so is the NFL, so is the NHL, and. Uh, that's where I think the, the the problem is. Is it a sports team? Because Vince has always said sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. But sports entertainment doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a SAG-eligible thing. And that's just the conversation that people have to have. And it's like, you can talk about independent contractors, you can talk about all that, but I'm not trying to be like one side or the other on this. I'm not trying to defend either side, but like, I, I just don't know where it fits and I think that's a question people don't ask they just say oh yes it should or no it shouldn't and well you know the the question is why and I don't think there's like a a plain answer to that
2: well is there a a plain answer for the you mentioned there the independent contractor side of things because now I was trying to explain this to a relative who don't know anything about wrestling the other day like you guys sign contracts to work for WWE or AEW or whoever and the difference at least with the WWE is from what i hear is you're not truly the independent contractor where you might go work for them Monday and Tuesday for Raw and SmackDown but you can't Wednesday go over and work for AEW you know you don't have that full freedom
3: um yeah yes and no uh it's 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 weird uh, when it comes to that, too, because it's like, are you an independent contractor um, for tax purposes? The company wants to say yes. Uh, as far as, like, you as an individual, if I try to do something that's that they don't want me to do that's outside of wrestling, I, I won't get the green light. Uh, some, but then other people in the same company will get a green light to do it. And that's where kind of a union would help protect you. Um, against that thing, or just having it written into your contract period before you before you go there, you know th- that'll help you out.
2: But do you think there could be common ground trying to figure out about the independent contractor thing? Or
3: um, I think the, the pay discrepancy is so weird up there. I don't think that's ever gonna ever gonna happen unless the government you know goes after yeah. them. And if the government goes after them, I think a lot of like newer companies are going to be in trouble.
2: Yeah, where they don't have that. They- established base
3: yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> you know as far as me one way or another if if i ever signed again with a place without that i think i'd I'd look at my contract and try to make it more beneficial towards me because uh, gotcha. that's one thing that always sucks about those contracts is they always uh lock you know you down remember there's a period of time where a few guys would ask for the release they wouldn't get it because uh, they had signed the contract yeah uh, well, that same contract, if you try to get out of it, you know what I mean? You can't. But if they want you out of it, oh, yeah, no problem. Like
2: It's one-sided.
3: We're, we're going to get rid of it. So, I don't like how one-sided those contracts are. Uh, yeah. And if there they are ones that like that independent contractor, you know, then I, I guess. But it's just weird.
2: But is that a good thing, though, with where you're at, with your career, where you're not tied down to any one company where – if you want to go to a Hollywood project, you can go do it. Or if I want to do it indie, like the United Wrestling Network, or you can pick and choose what you do.
3: Well, to me, it's not official right now. Uh, just trying to get, you know, my name out there doing other things, non-wrestling related, uh, which I wouldn't have an opportunity to do if I'm locked down to a certain place. Uh, but, you know, I think other companies are starting to let guys do more things, but it, but if you go and sign a contract, they're going to expect you to be there once a week, and you can't leave for four four weeks straight for a for a production every you know. Right, if you sign a contract, so yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, beneficial uh, to keep options open, and this time during COVID, it's pretty easy. <laughs> nobody's nobody's uh, paying huge money, you know, trying to get people unless you're unless you're staying.
2: Before we touch for a few minutes about the Wyatts, obviously a big deal within the business has been Undertaker retiring and probably considered across the board one of the best big men to tell stories and just the character and everything about Taker is like aces. What kind of experiences did you have with him and did you get to learn anything from him being a fellow big man?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, So, like, every experience I have with him is great. Uh, he'd, he'd always pull me aside whenever he was around, you know, separately and give me some advice or things. I remember specifically uh, I was doing something with a tag team with Brian, and he told me something about uh, being more aggressive. And uh, I think I took that to heart, and then the next time I saw him, he knew it because he told me, you know, you, you know you're being more aggressive. So just – things like that where he'd give you advice you know you, you take it because if you don't take it then it's gonna it's gonna it's just not gonna give it to you you know what i mean if, if a veteran in this business gives you advice take their advice like and show them that you're putting it too hard you know so with with taker that 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 was it like if he came to you it's because he generally wants to give you advice you know he, guys aren't always asking for it, you
2: know? Now, did you, did you, cause I know you did some stuff with the whites with him as well, but did you get to approach, did you find him approachable to say, Hey, can you watch my match or Hey, how do you want to do this? That, yeah. Could oh, you yeah. his brain as well.
3: He, yeah. He's very approachable. I learned that. I learned that early on speaking about, uh, you know, greatest big men, you know, another guy put up there with him is Kane. And, uh, i worked Glenn uh, quite a bit, you know, with uh, different house show loops and all that. And, you know, picked the hell out of his brain for a while there. And, uh, you know, another really approachable, and great guy.
2: Very smart guy, too. Yes. Any, anybody I've heard that knows Glenn or Kane says he po- was probably one of the smartest guys in the business flat out but obviously we've talked about it a few times, the Wyatt family. What part of, cause there was a couple of different iterations of that. Which part of the Wyatt family do you think was probably the best product that you guys were putting out?
3: Uh Probably uh, the initial. Uh, I would say the initial first run we had together was probably my favorite just cause it was so new, you know, and, uh, we had uh some moments with the shield uh me and me and Harper had some great matches with the Usos uh yeah, and then everything with Bray and just exciting different things you know, and you know it was kind of like uh you want to get to the whenever he would have a feud in order to get to that you know main boss, <laughs> like in the old video game sag you'd have to get through the the henchmen, yeah. which is we were in the beginning. And uh, you know, which is you know, was fun when it when it lasted. But we wanted me and him always Harper or Brody. We always wanted to be uh, more than henchmen. Yeah. We wanted to be our own entities and our own people. Uh, but when you play that role, we had both played it so well, and everything had gelled so well together that it just felt new and different. And for being, you know, from the swamp cult, you know and translating that to wrestling, I think it worked beautifully uh, because we didn't look out of place in a wrestling ring, which you think we would have, but well, we didn't. We fit in somehow with all the guys wearing tights.
2: Yeah, like you and you mentioned earlier when talking about the masks, a story I at least heard that the overalls for you was something else you had in a trunk of your car that you said, hey, can we give this a shot?
3: Oh, yeah. My whole look was just... For, Fell into place. It, nothing nothing I planned out. It was just stuff that just happened to be around.
2: Well, obviously, you're going by Eric Redbeard now, and that's part of your social media and all that stuff. And obviously, there hasn't been too much as far as independence and everything because of COVID. But what do you think would be different about Eric Redbeard compared to Eric Rowan?
3: Uh, it's just me, man. Like uh, It's just me churned up uh you know so uh as far as like the 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 differences it's 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 gonna be very similar but you're not gonna see me carried around cages you're not gonna be (laughs) me hiding behind masks playing rubik's cubes like that that's not me and uh you know there's parts of that character that you've seen in the
0: past
2: During the, I guess, reuniting and all that, because things happened, you guys got split and all that stuff. Yeah. I remember hearing, and you know everything on the internet is true, that you actually tore a tricep or something like that. You had a major injury. When was it? During the second reuniting of the uh, Wyatts. I think he tore a tricep.
3: Is this before Braun?
2: Maybe. You know, maybe right before that. Did did that hinder you at all? Those like major injuries and bumps you take on the road?
3: Uh I mean, uh, it was it was funny. Whenever I did hurt myself, I had to have surgery immediately. So it was never like something where I'm like, oh well, I'm I'm gonna just go on surgery. I can, I can probably make it through. Uh, so I remember uh, I tore my bu- my bicep on my left side. Yeah. To match with Cesaro on a house show in Saginaw, Michigan. I'll never forget it. Uh, <laughs> Because I was in Saginaw, and I think Brody was on the other loop uh, working with somebody else. So they had split the Wyatts up to, like, work different places. So I tore it there. I finished the match. And when I came back, like, I could barely move my arm. So I'm like, yep, yeah, got to fly out have surgery. Uh, so, like, I did that. And then, because uh, I had, like, I think I had three big ones while I was on the road. I had that one. And then I had another one when I was with, uh, with Bray, just me and him on SmackDown. I tore my uh, rotator cuff from my shoulder. Didn't know about it. I think I worked Apollo Crews for for three days straight on the live mounts. The third day, I gave him a shoulder tackle with this shoulder. This opposite one just kind of went completely out, and I felt it kind of dangle. So, finished that match. The next morning, I can't, I can't raise my arm past this point. I think I did TV that day, like the backstage, and I had surgery the next day. And then the last one sucked the most because it was uh we were champions with the Bludgeon Brothers at SummerSlam. Um I was gonna catch a dive from Xavier Woods, who's who's uh a lot heavier than he looks, as, as far as muscular and but uh he was gonna come short up the up the thing. I think I had to get past the cameraman and I extend my arms like this which you never want to do when you catch somebody. You want to catch them like this. Yeah. I put my hands like this, and it just kind of snaps this uh, bicep here uh, re- really bad. Uh, it was it was worse than the other one. And uh, so I did that. We retained the, the championship at SummerSlam. I whispered to him, well, it's been fun. I'm going to go to surgery now.
2: You just knew that. Oh, man. But-
3: Little did I know I'd have a day to rest and then have to be on SmackDown to defend them.
2: Yeah, they had to get but, them off you. To...
3: Yeah, so we did a full match. When, when we when we came back, I remember uh, Brody saying, uh, damn, it didn't even look like you were hurt. <laughs> and I was like, well, I am. It hurts real bad. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is it. <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah, no, man, it was like injuries that never happen at the right time. But, uh, yeah. you know, things always work out because if, if I wouldn't have got hurt during that, would I have gotten the chance to be with Dan O'Brien? Would I have gotten the chance to go off on my own, you know, and start getting more mic work and stuff like that? So, like, everything that happens to me happens for a reason. And that's why I can never be upset. Like, I got go from WWE. Then I got a call and I got to do this film. And, like, to me, everything just happens to work out. Like, you have to work for it, but things just happen to work out.
2: Well, can you talk about that film briefly, or is that still kind of hush-hush-wire um, Eric? I can just say,
3: I can just say uh, what it is. It's Ghost of the Ozarks. That's uh, going to be from director Matt Glass and Jordan Long. Uh, but uh, as far as, like, uh, more of a plot to it, I, I don't really know how much I can give up at this time. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's still in the post production stage,
2: so maybe 2021 coming out at some point.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Because Elena here uh, mm-hmm. is from Ireland and is getting getting her uh, feet wet with the acting side of things. So she's always appreciative to learn and see different forms of art, as you said earlier, not just those, wrestling. Those, but those
3: auditions are are fun for rejection. <laughs> to have
0: patience no i have to say after listening to you i have a lot more respect uh for um, the acting side of wrestling than i i didn't realize i knew and it's um you know it's it is about telling the story and the performance and i you know as a kid i did grow up watching it with like my cousins and we do these moves uh-huh. uh, and um Yeah, just listening to what you're saying about, you know, the difference between SAG and the the sports aspect, It, it should be both, in my opinion, because you are doing a sport and you're performing. So it just, yeah, I'm really intrigued about it now and I'll probably go back and watch a few more matches and see you know like now that I know it's from a different aspect and it is mainly performance so I can relate to it a lot more it's not just you know a boy thing you know wrestling it's like girls can actually you know see the performance I well I can because you know I want to act so this is really interesting talking to you and I really love the beard <laughs> oh thanks
2: yeah we were talking we were joking about that as well because she said since I've been stuck at home for a few days because of potential exposure haven't shaved she goes i like my i like your beard i said yeah you like this wait till you see eric's so awesome is there anything else that you are able to plug or what where can people find you on social media if they want to find you uh
3: the, the funny thing with the eric redbeard name is i already had that as a handle and why ch- why change it why it you works know, wwe don't own it so uh and uh i feel banished so, uh, Eric, and I'm a big Viking fan. So Eric, the, the red, uh, famous Viking, uh, who was banished, exiled from his uh, home country of Norway and ended up having kids who'd discovered America. So, uh, you know, I didn't go so bad for him. Uh, but, but no, you can catch me on uh, Twitter at Eric Redbeard, uh, Instagram, Eric Redbeard. Uh, I have a pro wrestling tees, uh, t-shirts, uh, you go to the store at Eric Redbeard. Uh, Camalee can reach out to Eric Redbeard. Always want to say hi to people. Uh, but as as far as plugging anything at the moment, nothing I can really talk about.
2: Well, last question. Now that I think about it, well, and make sure you trademark the Eric Redbeard if you haven't already. That way you own it. But are you going to be using that in like your Hollywood stuff, or are you going to be using your name for professional uh, stuff?
3: Um, thank you. You're one of the million Americans who get that name mispronounced. It's actually Rude,
2: uh, okay. Like the
3: ravishing, <laughs> Rick rude. Um, ravishing Rick. If you think of Rick Rude, think of Joe Rude, you know, okay. without the abs, of course. Uh, yeah. but but yes, Joseph Rude is uh my my name with with seg and uh, you know, who knows? I might actually wrestle with that name that way. I don't need to trademark my own name. Maybe I do, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but but yes, uh. I'm still trying to figure out the whole independence and you know, exactly what I want to do. Uh, if I want to keep them separate or if I want to keep the names the same. As right now, I'm Eric Redbeard just because I was known as Eric Rowan for so long on television. It's an easy transition to say, hey, this guy's still the same guy as opposed to, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Joe Rude.
2: Yeah, And like you said, you already had the handles on social media, so why yes. not?
3: But uh, in the future, I, I'll never say I won't possibly go by a different name
2: we're taking as it comes right
3: yes one one step at a time one day at a time which is all we can do during this crazy time
2: yes eric thank you so much
0: thank you so much Eric.
1: Thinking your day is bad, and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. Is gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting, now that's what I call depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. ...with cheeks wide open <laughs> Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. ...those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon, farthing in the USA. For those who placed their order by calling, or order in online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub, or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
3: Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H dot
0: Excuse me! This is Vicki Guerrero, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.